You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. As a matter of fact, this is the second time he's been on the show. His name is Jim DeSico, and he's the CEO and oldest brother of Key2 Life. Now, Jim and I had a conversation back in January of 2019 in episode 102, where we talked about the rapid growth of his company. He went from a dorm room to over 5 million in sales. But wait till you hear this, guys. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to spill the popcorn in the lobby. I'm going to have Jim tell the story. Welcome to the show, Jim. Dennis, great to be back, brother. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, dude. I mean, first of all, let's talk about the, the elephant in the room. You live in New York City and you had the coronavirus. You had COVID-19. That's crazy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is. Uh, I mean, thankfully for me, we're young and in shape and healthy, but I was out of it for eight days. The, and I mean, I didn't tell our team while we were going through it. And I was able to work and stuff. But thankfully, I, I wasn't one of the worst cases that you read about. Yeah. How old are you? 27. 27. So yeah, so you're nice and young and in shape and eat healthy and, you know, key to life and super coffee. And that kept you alive. I'll bet you it was super coffee that kept you alive. I think so. I don't, know if we can, uh, I don't know if we can market that as the coronavirus cure, but it would be good for business. Well, we can on this podcast, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, listen, just so you guys know, the product that we talked about, the main product and the main brand that Jim has is called Super Coffee. Now, he's got a bunch of other products here that we can, you know, he'll touch on today that have been a part of the story. But when he started up, he was in his dorm room and then he, the team and his brothers and everybody contributed and they got to about 5 million. And one of the epiphanies that Jim had and the topic of today's conversation was the importance and the difference between working in your business versus on your business. So that's really where we're going to go today, right? Because I'm going to let Jim share with you the difference in where his revenue is now, just, man, barely a year later compared to the 5 million they did previously. So tell us that story. Yeah, man. No, it's a good story. And I think natural part of any business's evolution. In January, 2019, we just came off of a $5 million year. 2018, we did not quite 5 million. It was 4.6 million in sales. And heading into 2019, when you and I first sat down, we, were, we just raised our Series A. We brought in 14 million of fresh capital. And the goal for 2019 was to build out our team and build out distribution. And we had an ambitious plan to go from 4.5 million in 2018 to, to 25 million in gross sales in 2019. Proud to say that we did hit 26 million in 2019. Here we are in April. It's April 28th of 2020. And March of 2020 was a five and a half million dollar month. So a lot has changed in the last 16 months or so. Wow. So you went from doing five million, just under five million in 2018 to 5.5 million in March of 2020. Yes, Think sir. about that, guys. That's crazy. 
And one of the, and there's a lot of moving parts to that. And there's a lot of things that attributed to that and a lot of people that contributed to that. And I, we don't want to downplay that. I don't want to say that this was all just Jim, but I'm sure Jim being the CEO and leader, one of the things that he learned as a young entrepreneur and is, is implemented and has been so you know astute applying to his business that it's had a huge impact is the difference between working in your business versus on your business. You see this all the time. And pre-interview, Jim and I had a conversation and we were talking about how a lot of entrepreneurs stall at that three, four, five million range because they fail to make that migration from working in the business to on the business. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about that, you know, how that's played out over the last year or so, some of the contributing factors and why it's been so, you know, instrumental to your growth. Yeah, totally. And, and just to recap from the first episode. So when we first started in my youngest brother's dorm room, it's, it's we're three brothers, we were all college athletes. And, and that discipline growing up in team sports has really enabled us to do what we do today. But we, we did everything, you know, we made the product, we made the deliveries, we stocked the shelves, we handled the QuickBooks and the accounting and all of that. And versus in January, we were starting to hire a team and build out. I think when we first sat down, we had 20 to 25 employees. Today, we're at 85 full-time employees. And it happened fast, you know, and in that you sort of grow up fast, you evolve quickly. And it doesn't make sense for like, we, it's not my best and highest use to make deliveries anymore. That said, given that this whole sort of coronavirus thing and grocery stores are spread pretty thin, my brothers and I will always put up, put on a mask and gloves and, and go stock shelves. And, and we spent the last couple of weeks doing that down in the Southeast. And, and I think we would never ask our team to do something that we wouldn't do. And growing up, in the business, sort of working in the business over the last four or five years, we've touched every part of the business. You know, so our team has a mutual respect that we can show them that we know what they do, how they do it, provide guidance along the way. And I think that leadership by example is really important early in a business. I remember, you know, I remember emptying emptying the trash in my office and the workers, you know, the people that worked with me, my colleagues looking at me like I was crazy saying, you're the CEO, why are you opening emptying the trash. And I'm just, you know, and it would, for me, it was just natural, but for them, it seemed out of place. But I thought that that, I think that's important. I think it's important. Number one, that you experience it. And number two, that your team sees you doing it. I mean, it builds a lot of credibility. It builds a lot of rapport. It builds a lot of trust. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things we talked about last episode is our culture has always been work hard and be nice to people. And until now it's, that was only through good times, right? The economy was good. The environment was good. Well, now more than ever, and this is week seven of this coronavirus shelter in place, work hard and be nice to people is more important than ever before. And the fact that we can lead from the front, like it would be, it's motivating to our team, right? Because we're, I mean, we're in the beverage industry. We're an essential industry and our team's not just stocking shelves with coffee right now. They're out there helping our distributors with water or soup or toilet paper, whatever the product at hand is, we're there to lend that hand. But they wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same momentum or sort of camaraderie if I was sitting from at home from behind a computer saying, get your asses out there and, and stock shelves, right? It's, we're in this thing together. But yeah, the, the transformation that my brothers and I have had to make over the last 12 months has really been removing ourselves from the day-to-day projects of getting a production run scheduled or making sure that the month end's accounting was closed or hitting sales calls, grocery store to grocery store. We've now sort of equipped our team and we work with our team to do that. And one of the things you and I just talked about before we started recording here is how to create organizational capacity. And what we mean by that is like, it's very easy for me to get a project done or reply to an email just one-on-one and, and 
do that myself. And a lot of times I have the urge to do it myself just to get it off my to-do list, get it out of my inbox, whether it's an investor meeting or sending somebody financials or building a model, whatever that looks like. However, it doesn't make the company better. It doesn't create organizational capacity if I don't bring in our CFO or our VP of finance or our VP of marketing on a marketing project. And by collaborating with these people, they can take projects and run with them, right? And what we've done by doing that, you really create a, it's work that's getting done beyond your control, right? Like once you hear like really good entrepreneurs or CEOs or athletes or whomever say like, it's like a a quarterback, like Tom Brady and Randy Moss back on the Patriots in the early 2000s. It's like, we were always on the same page, right? You you hear people say that all the time. Well, the way you get on the same page is by looping people in. You know, it's kind of like a husband and wife who finish each other's sentences. That doesn't happen overnight. That happens through a lot of work. And now my CFO and I are on such a good page where we'll have a two to three minute conversation. He's like, Jim, I got it. And then he goes and runs and finishes a week long project, you know? So it's that type of communication and that type of sort of working on the business rather than working in the business that allows the business to move forward at at exponential rates. It's funny because I remember during our last interview, and this was a while ago, I asked you what your favorite growth tool was and your answer was Slack. Your answer was Slack. How funny is that, that you're talking about this collaborative, you know, loop in inclusive type strategy and Slack was your favorite tool. So, so funny because all the, the breadcrumbs are all there along the way to show that, you know, that this, the way it played out. So that's amazing. So there's a lot of things to going, you know, to transitioning. I mean, you have been pretty humble about how difficult this process is to go from working in the business to on the business because many, 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 many entrepreneurs struggle with this, including myself. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years and for many years, probably the first 10 years of my career, I struggled with it. So you're far ahead of me. So kudos to you for that. But there's a lot there, right? So you've got when you're growing fast and you're filling these gaps and you're giving away control, right? That's another big piece, right? Is being willing to give up control. There's a lot of pieces. You got talent. You went from 20 people to 80 some people. That in itself is a feat, right? I mean, how did you, what was your approach to growing the talent pool? I mean, there may not be any big, you know, aha moments, but how did you approach that? How did you and your team approach that? Because that's such a critical part of this phase of your growth because bad hires can cost you an enormous amount of time, energy, resources, and more importantly, momentum. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And people is everything, right? I say today that our team is our barrier to entry and finding the right people is super important. But I think cultivating those people once they come in is even more important. And it all starts with culture. So for us, like I said, our framework starts with this idea of work hard and be nice to people. And then beneath that, we have different values. We actually have this cool acronym called COACH and it stands for curious, optimistic, ambitious, compassionate and humble. And those are the five principles that we look for all of our teammates to to sort of embody when they get here. But that said, like our strategy is simple, you know, food and beverage is a very tangible thing. You make a product that people can taste and feel and purchase. You stock it on shelves and, and the more product you sell, the bigger your company gets. So for us, when we interview, we look really for a grittiness and a desire to win. I warn people in the first, anytime, I interview somebody for the first time. I say to them, like, look, this is not a nine to five job. You know, this is going to be the hardest you've ever worked. That said, it's going to be the most fun you've had. and It's going to be the most fulfilling, right? Where we believe like our mission here is to mass produce positive energy. So we get people who share our values to buy into that mission. And it's no longer them working for a paycheck or them trying to to hit a bonus milestone or a case incentive or whatever, whatever the financial incentive may be. So 
yeah, I think finding the right people, they need to be bought in. They need to be willing to work hard. And it's kind of like, who would you want on your team? You know, and like I said earlier, being growing up as an athlete, like there were certain people when it was fourth quarter, three seconds left on the clock, you're punching into the end zone to win the game. Like there's, you only have 11 guys on the field. You want to be very careful with who those guys are, right? And we, like you said, we, the team is finding the wrong person you need to address that as quickly as, I mean, the sooner you address that, the better, right? Because culture is also what you tolerate. And if you let the wrong person linger, it hurts others as well. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's really interesting. First of all, you know, just for those of you that don't know, you know, and don't have the advantage of having listened to episode 102, I would highly recommend you guys go check that out. It's a great episode. It's kind of the early story. But give everybody a really brief intro into what super coffee is because you know we should have done that at the top of the hour here top of the the interview but but talk to them about what super coffee is and what the brand has evolved to up to this point because it started out as just coffee now there's a whole bunch of products and i love it so go ahead talk a little bit about that yeah so super coffee started out in my youngest brother jordan's dorm room he was a, a freshman at philadelphia university and he didn't want his school store only offered sugary bottled coffees like starbucks frappuccino dunkin donuts bottled coffee energy drinks like Red Bull and Monster. And he was like, well, all this stuff has a lot of sugar, a lot of calories, and it doesn't really make me feel good. Why isn't there something that tastes good, is good for me, and gives me energy? So he blended super coffee in his dorm room, never with any intentions to start a business, really just to solve his own energy crisis. And it worked so well for him and his teammates and his classmates that he, he called up me and my middle brother, Jake, and said, hey, guys, let's go into business. But anyway, super coffee, it's two cups of organic coffee in a 12-ounce bottle. We add protein instead of milk or cream. So there's 10 grams of lactose-free protein. And then we add MCT oil. It's a healthy fat from coconuts. Like we are talking about keto earlier. Anybody who subscribes to the keto diet, super coffee is keto. The healthy fats, our bodies burn them for fuel. It helps provide focus, works with the caffeine for energy. And so that's what it is. And we sweeten it with monk fruit. So there's zero sugar. And we started out with four flavors of super coffee. And really within the last 18 months, we've evolved into this sort of positive energy portfolio. And we have things like Super Creamer now, which is a dairy-based creamer that competes with Coffee Mate and International Delight. So something that you add to your coffee, it's got protein, it's got the MCT oil, zero sugar. We have canned cold brew. I'm drinking a super cold brew right now. So we now have canned products, we have canned espressos. And then our most recent innovation we just launched in February of 2020 is Super Coffee Pods. So Super Coffee, it's like K-Cups for the Keurig machine that have coffee, 200 milligrams of caffeine in every pod, but it's loaded with vitamins and antioxidants. So coffee with vitamins is our latest innovation. Wow, that's crazy. Well, I can tell you that, you know, after you were on the show last night, time you were nice enough to send us a, a care package so that we could try the product. And I admit it, I'm not a big coffee drinker, but my wife and her family absolutely raved over it, the creamer, the coffee. And I'm sure we're going to definitely run out and definitely get some, some of those K-Cups. So, I mean, they absolutely loved it. And that's one of the reasons why I had you back on the show was because I'm so intrigued about how you start a brand from scratch like this and then ramp it up as rapidly as you have from 5 million in your, you know, in 2017 or, or 18 to 5 million a month now. So very, very interesting. All right, well, listen, let's dive back in for a minute here to this working in the business versus on the business, right? And the importance of working on your business. So what are some, besides talent, right? What are some other things that you guys have experienced or noticed have had a big impact? Obviously the organizational capacity was the first point. The second one was the importance of talent, of finding the right talent. And then obviously, you know, you know that was a big part of it. What other components have you kind of taken yourself out of and then 
have you seen really grow and have a huge impact on the business up to this point? Yeah. And it starts with culture, right? Because given, culture is I the mean, other one. Yeah. Culture is important. Keep, let's expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So culture is your, is your framework. You know, culture is the skeleton of your business. And without a strong culture, people, there will be no rules and sort of people will go in different directions or whatever direction they, they feel is right. And with 85 people, mostly field sales reps, there's a lot of freedom and a lot of autonomy on our team. And the reason that they can do their jobs effectively is because there's this mutual level of trust that starts with culture, right? We're all bought in to our core values. We're all bought into the mission and we're all sort of driving towards that in our own world. And we give our team a lot of autonomy. We tell, tell we have 11 regional sales managers right now, and we tell each of them that they're the, the CEO of their own region. And the only way you can get to that point, there's this book called Team of Teams by General Stanley McChrystal. It's a great, great book, military background, or military-based book. And the, he's got two principles in there. One is shared consciousness, and that is sharing more than enough information with everybody from the senior level executives all the way down to the entry level employees. And granted, like the entry level people don't need to understand what's going on with the P&L, but they need to know so much information so they can make empowered decisions in the field. So what we say is shared, the idea of shared consciousness leads to or creates empowered action. So if I'm an entry level sales rep hitting 20 accounts in New York City, I know what is best for the company. I know because the brothers share it with me on every Monday morning call. My manager passes it down to me. I know what I need to do to do my job well. And that gives me the confidence and to really have this empowered action in the field and make executive level decisions on my own. And when you have a team that is making plays out there every single day with as much information as my brothers and I have, or close to as much, it really leads to a powerful a powerful force. And like I said earlier, our team is our barrier to entry. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, that just came to mind as you were saying that was the importance of transparency, right? So transparency. So one of the things that I've experienced in my career, having worked with a lot of different businesses is that, and even in my own businesses with different partnerships and whatnot, most business, most entrepreneurs or owners have a tendency to be a little covetous when it comes to the numbers. They're afraid to share the numbers. They're afraid to share. Obviously, they set. They love to set goals, right? But they hate to share the real numbers behind that drive the business. And one of the things that I did early on, you know, in my last business before selling it, my B two B service company was, you know, and this was at, and it sometimes brought me at ends with some of the investors that were in the businesses. They didn't like me being as transparent as I was, but I really thought that it was important. And the when, when I was transparent with those numbers and with those inside conversations, the people on my team just responded. They leaned into it, number one. You could physically see them lean in and actually listen because they felt like they were getting information that they wouldn't get anywhere else and that it built that trust. So I think that transparency that you have you know, and the visibility that you create with those regional CEOs, I think that's a really interesting point. And I don't think everybody does that, right? I don't think, and I think that's another component that, of transitioning from this working in the business versus on the business. How did you do, here's an, an aside, how did you do on giving up control, right? I mean, you know, being an athlete, being a leader in sports, you know, not everybody always wants the ball. Not every, everybody should always have the ball when you're on the one yard line, but ultimately some people really want the ball and it's hard to give it up. So how did you go about that giving up control, you and your brothers? Because man, this is your baby, right? I mean, you know, this is, most people don't understand, but as an entrepreneur, when you start a business, it's like a child, right? And so it, it is very difficult to give up control. How did you do with that? Did you struggle? Did you 
was it easy for you? Because it wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's not a black and white thing, right? Where on a Monday you have control and then on a Tuesday you give it up. You know, it, it's, it sort of happened over time. And it starts with the two things that we, we've touched on already is transparency and communication. So if we're transparent with our team, if we're sharing them with them, what our goals are, what our interests are, what our fears are, you know, what our strengths are, what our strategy is, very vividly, we share the numbers with them, you know, in a lot of cases, they know more than they ever need to know. But that get, that creates this sort of confidence or, or this empowered action that we talked about. And then communication, you know, we, we can't assume there was a there was a tough spot probably a year ago, right after our podcast, I'd say Q1 2019, where we had it was a like, the, the sort of a anxiety around passing passing this off to the team, right? And, and, and you know, exactly you know exactly what that feeling's like. But what the way we brought that back is by creating communication, we actually created this, uh, this thing called super university. So for all of our new employees, we fly them into New York, and we would we would wait like a month or two until we had like, I don't know, 10 people in a class, we'd fly them to New York, and we'd do a crash course on all things, super coffee, key to life, they'd understand the culture, they'd hit the field with us, like, they'd really get bought in. And then maintaining that relationship after they started I think that's where a lot of companies go wrong and we did at first too is like once you onboard somebody there still needs to be a commitment to development and ongoing training because you can't assume that people know what you're thinking and and that was the mistake that we made right like we thought we were like whoa how come how come so-and-so is doing his own thing down in the mid-atlantic region when we would do it this way you know but once you get those thoughts out of your head and communicate it and the thing about transparency is it's often uncomfortable, right? If I was like, let's say you, Dennis, you, you live in Buffalo. You, let's say you ran the Buffalo market for us. And if you were doing something that wasn't aligned with the company, for me to say like, hey man, I got to provide some feedback to you. Like, that's not how we do things here. That's not what we're looking for. One, it's uncomfortable for me to, to deliver that message to you. And two, it's probably uncomfortable for you to receive that message. But it's those types of conversations that create the trust and sort of the the buy-in to the strategy that, uh, that we have to have and do. Yeah, makes sense. I love that whole concept of, of the university where you bring them in and you kind of indoctrinate them with, with that entire culture and the products and the hands-on. And, and it gives you a really good sense as to whether, you know, reinforces whether you made the right decision a month or two out when they come in. You know, you mentioned something, when we, we talked about culture many times. Could you bring up that acronym again? It's called COACH. What, what was the framework for that? Yeah, so this is, we actually work with, I, I see you're drinking a bi, uh, bi right now. So um, Dennis is drinking bi, B-A-I, like an antioxidant water. The chief creative officer from bi, a guy named Chad Portis, is one of our mentors and advisors. He's really become a close friend and expert in branding. But he got to, got to know us really well and know what was important to us as founders. And he put it together, like based on our background as athletes, based on our core values for the business. And the acronym is called COACH. And it's really an internal thing where the first C is curious, right? We want all of our people to always be learning, looking for better ways to do things. The next O is optimistic, right? How we believe in a better future and we're willing to put in the work to create it. Ambitious, right? Rather than selling our company to Coca-Cola, we're gonna buy Coca-Cola someday. You know, it's just these big, massive dreams. The, the third C is, or the fourth, the fourth letter is uh, C. Wait, where are we at? C, yeah, compassionate. And work hard and be nice to people, right? Kindness is key. And then finally is H is uh, humble. So humility, it, like never pretend like you have all the answers. And if those are our five core values, and if all of our employees 
sort of abide by those or follow those things, then we're going to be in a, a pretty good place when it comes to execution. I love it. Love it. Well, listen, anything else you want to add about, you know, this working on the business versus in the business, anything else you want to add about that? You know, we'll have a couple more questions, then we'll wrap it up for today. But everybody hold on to the end because Jim's got a gift for you. Don't disappear yet. That's right. He's got a gift for the audience here. So anything you want to close out with? I think the hard thing here for, for all founders is putting in the work to come up with what's important to you, right? And everything else follows from that. What products are you going to launch? What's the go-to-market strategy? What's the distribution going to be? The price point? All of that follows from this sort of vision. And we always say that brand is an extension of the culture. You know, like you can't, you can't pretend to create something that, that is fundamentally different from who you are. Like I, I always say like, it wouldn't make sense for Jake Jordan and I to launch like a, a salad dressing company, you know, like even though the world could probably use a, a healthier salad dressing, like that's just not who we are as individuals. You know, we're these high energy, super competitive guys and bottled coffee really found like it's become an extension of, of our personalities and our values. So I think do the work to figure out what's important to you. And once you set that framework, it gives you the, the confidence or the trust in your team to operate within it. Because without that framework, it's sort of like a no holds bar where people can run wild. So I think that's the last comment I'll say on culture and team. Love it. Love it. Well, listen, here's one question diving into you real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. If you could pick any business superpower, right? Only business, you know, you can't fly, you can't, you know, you know, you can't do any of that, right? No, no bulletproof, you know, like Superman. You, but if you could pick any business superpower, what would it be? Oh, man. So I call it this. We, uh, we recently signed on with an executive coach this year just to learn and grow and develop. And, and one of the things that we work on is elegant conflict. And what that means is like exactly the example that I just gave you. Like when anytime you have to deliver hard feedback, whether it's to an employee or a partner or an investor or a distributor, whatever it is, how can you do it in a way that is productive, right? Like whether you're in a negotiation, if you're, if you're trying to get a better deal for yourself or your team, or if you have to fire somebody, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And in the household that we grew up in, we've always sort of avoided conflict. You know, like I don't like to have the difficult conversations. I don't like to tell people that they're wrong or doing a bad job. And so I think for me, it would be elegant conflict to sort of have that power to, to deliver difficult feedback without hurting the other person's feelings. I love it. Love it. Well, listen, Jim, let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about how they can get and try some super coffee. And then, you know, we'll wrap it up for today. Awesome, man. Yeah. We're, uh, our website is drinksupercoffee.com. You can check out all of our products online. Our Instagram is at drinksupercoffee. I'm on LinkedIn at Jim DeSico. But yeah, connect with us, follow the journey. We got some cool stuff coming up. We're, we're launching, this is, this is the first time I'm going to announce this publicly, but we have our plant-based super coffee dropping in June. So June of 2020, it'll be made with pea protein. It's a, a delicious item. So a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline for us. And, and uh, I just wish everybody stays safe and, and stays focused during these, uh, these difficult times. And you just launched the K-Cup and you said you were going to do a, a coupon code. That's right. The, the coupon code for all of the podcast listeners is Ask Dennis Brown, one word, for 25% off. So head to drinksupercoffee.com. Try out the Super Coffee Pods, coffee with vitamins. It's a great idea. We, we found ourselves drinking our coffee in the morning and then taking our vitamins after the coffee. We were like, hey, man, let's put the vitamins in the coffee. So that was the, uh, the, the creation story behind the Super Coffee Pods. Very cool. I love it, my friend. I'll make sure I put all of those links in the show notes. I'll make sure I put the coupon code in there. Everybody who wants to check that out, make sure you go to Drink Super Coffee and uh, really appreciate you being here. Congrats on all your success and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. 
this is halftime, brother. We got we, this is episode two. We got a, two more episodes in the, in the coming years. So we're just getting started here. I'm with you. The next thing I see in your future is acquisitions. That's right. Us buying Coca-Cola, right? That's right. See you later, my friend. <laughs> later, brother. Thank you. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.